Good morning, everyone. I'm going to invite you all to stand to worship with us. It's great to see everyone smiling faces.
Um, but are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Amen. Well, if you'll open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, David um, started a new series for us. He kicked it off a couple of weeks ago called Follow the Leader. And what we're doing is just looking at some of the leaders in the Bible and looking at their lives and, and some of the things that we can glean from them. Because as I mentioned a few weeks ago as we looked at Samuel and as David mentioned and reminded us the past two weeks, um, is that everyone is in a position of leadership. Everyone has someone that follows them. You have this influence over someone in your life. And so it just makes sense that we would learn to be the best leaders that we can be. Amen? And in this world that we live, we have no shortage of leadership, but you might make the argument that it's not really good leadership. And so what we're looking at is some of the examples in the Bible, some of the characters in the Bible uh, that, that are held up to us as examples of great leadership. And the one that I want to focus on and hold up to you this morning as a great example as a leader is a man named Joshua. Joshua was an amazing man. Um, he lived to about 110 years of age. He led Israel for approximately 52 years in a place of authority. And towards the end of his life, chapter 24 um, is where we're going to start at. And I'll be honest, I'm going to jump around a little bit today because we're looking at the total of Joshua's life. But I wanted to begin at the end. And as you go to the end of his life, Joshua has led very effectively the children of Israel and in chapter 24, he begins by telling the children of Israel um, all that God had done for them. And he speaks on behalf of God. Listen to some of the things he says. As Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel, Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago. Your ancestors, um, he says, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. But listen to this. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and I led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. I brought terrible plagues on Egypt and I brought you out as a free people. I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought you or the sea crashing down on the Egyptians drowning them. With your very own eyes you saw what I did. He says, finally, I brought you into the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possession of their land. And then there's that time when Balak, son of Zippor, wanted to curse you. And so he brings in Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you, and so I rescued you from Balak. In verse uh, 11 towards the end, he says, But I gave you victory over them, talking about the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Termites, and all that other stuff that were there at that time. Verse 12, he says, And I sent terror ahead of you and drove out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you land that you had not worked on. I gave you towns you did not build. The towns uh, where you are living now, I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food though you did not plant them. And so he begins by saying, this is all that God has done for us thus far. How many of you say, God's a good God? And so towards the end of his life, he's about 110 years of age. This is his farewell speech, if you will. And he's basically saying, this is what God has done for you. And in verse 14, some of your versions will say, therefore. Now, as a result of all of these that I've just shared, so, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. I mean, if it doesn't seem pleasing to you to serve the Lord, the one that I just explained to you that did all of these things for us, if it doesn't seem right for you to serve him, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And then he says this very familiar verse, but as for me and my house, for as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And so you see an example that is laid out before the children of Israel. He didn't care what they thought about his decision. He, he, he was saying, here's your choice. 
Here's what you can do. You can choose to serve God or you can choose these other false gods. But let me just tell you what we are going to do, what I'm going to do. And at the age of 110, he says, me and my house, not my little bitty kids, but my, my kids' kids, my household, me and my family, we are going to serve the Lord. And I love that example that he lays out before them. And of course, they responded to his example, and they say, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. Later it says, so we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. Look over in verse 31. It says, the people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. That's a long time. And of the elders who outlived him, even after Joshua died, the elders who outlived him, it says they served the Lord, those who had personally experienced all the Lord had done for Israel. And so we've been trying to find this one big idea that we can glean from these leadership examples. And in the life of Joshua, here's the one takeaway that I think that we all need to see. Leaders rule by example rather than command. I love this because at the end of his life, he could say, hey, listen, you know who I am. I'm Joshua. God's used me in a big and powerful way. And I'm at the end of my life, and I'm telling every one of you, this is what you have to do. He could have commanded them, but he simply said, choose. Choose this day who you will serve. And so he sets an example for them rather than a command. And I love that when you consider leadership. Sometimes we have the title of leader, and we throw that authority around but good leaders lead by example rather than by command. John Maxwell in his book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, I would highly recommend that book if you're in any position of leadership at all. But he said, if you follow these laws, people will follow you. One of the laws is the, the law of influence. He says, the true measure of leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. The true measure of leadership is influence. Nothing more and nothing less. So what is influence? Influence is the capacity or the power uh, of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects of the actions, behaviors, opinions of others. It's the ability to move people, right? To influence people is to take them from where they're at to where they should be. And you see organizations all the time that hire a leader and they're hoping that leader will influence the culture of the company or the church or whatever. And you see organizations that will remove leaders because they don't have influence. And here's what we know. Influence is very vulnerable you can gain influence and you can lose influence right and so when you consider Joshua and his ability to lead in a very effective way you look at this idea of influence and I don't know about you but when I consider my leadership in my family in this church in this community I wonder how important it is for us to have influence to be able to move people to persuade people to come along God's way of thinking and God's design for their life I just think influence is extremely important amen and if you think about it influence is something that we all deal with we are all influenced by someone we're influenced by family right our families influence us we're influenced by our friends, those that we are around. They have great influence on us. We have outside sources that influence us. What we watch on the TV, sometimes we need to turn that junk off, right? Who we listen to on the radio, who we spend our time with. Someone said once, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The reality is there's a lot of influence around us. And what we see happening in our world today is a result of influence, racial and social unrest, political unrest, financial upheaval, all of the things that we see in our world today, all that we are experiencing is a result of someone being influenced by a person, group, or a movement. Would you agree with that statement so far? So when it comes to leadership, I believe that we've all been called to lead other people and knowing that influence is extremely important when it comes to leadership, the question then is, how do we get the influence? How do we influence people? And it's more than a title. You can just say, well, because I said so, that's why. But, you know, you, you move people with your leadership, and they just want to follow you. And that's what we see in the life of Joshua. He was a great leader, and he motivated people to follow God, to be obedient to God. His whole time of leadership, 50-plus years of leading them, he influenced them, and he led them effectively. And as I was kind of dissecting his life, what is it about Joshua? What made him different? What, you, know, you can put two leaders side by side. One is a great leader of influence and the other one not so much. What made Joshua tick? 
What was it that gave him the ability to be influential over the people that he led? And, and, and listen, I'm going to be honest. You can just put together a whole list of different things that you can observe in his life. But as I consider this idea of influence and, and what that needs to look like in our lives and the people that God has put around us, I started looking at it from that perspective and, and asked the question, so what? What do we need if we want to be influential in the lives of the people that God has placed around us? And I found three things in his life that I want to share with you briefly. The first one is, Joshua was coachable. How many know that's an important thing? There's nothing more frustrating in life than to have a kid with natural talent and ability that is uncoachable, right? The coach is trying to teach them form and trying to teach them strategy, and the kid's just not hearing it because they're, they're relying on their talent and their talent alone. We need to be coachable. We need to be uh, able to allow other people to speak into our lives, to mentor us. In the case of Joshua, to have a life coach, and his life coach was Moses. That's a great coach, isn't it? And if you consider who Joshua was, and you go back to the beginning of his, his ministry and his life, let me find my, the, the beginning, go to Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, um, I, I'm going to kind of backtrack, but you start hearing the name Joshua in Exodus chapter 17. What's going on in Exodus 17? So they, they, they've been delivered from Egypt as slaves, and now they're making their way to the promised land that God has promised them, and on the way, they encounter an enemy. I believe it was Amalek. And so it says that Moses commanded Joshua. So Joshua was about 19 years old when he was one of the, the guys that came out of slavery. He was around 19. We used to think, I used to think that he was older than that, that he was about Caleb's age, 40. And so that would mean that he would start leading at the age of 85. But many of the Jewish historians believe that he was only around 19 years of age whenever he came out of um, Egypt as a slave. And he was probably around 20 years old when he was one of the spies that went out and spied out the land of Canaan. And so that means that he would have been around 60 years old when he took up that mantle of leadership. And so you first hear of his, his life whenever Moses commands Joshua, okay, I want you to gather up some men and I want you to go out and battle against Amalek. And here's what I'm going to do. Moses says, I'm going to go up on top of a hill. I'm going to take my staff with me. And, and as long as Moses' staff was raised high, they were victorious. You remember the story, right? And, and so Moses' arm gets tired, and, and he begins to lower his staff. And when he did that, the enemy had the advantage over Joshua and uh, Israel's army. And so Aaron and Hur, they go up beside Moses, and they prop up his arm. And as a result of that, it says Joshua was victorious over their enemies, over Amalek. That's in Exodus 17. In Exodus 24, this is pretty impressive. The Lord tells Moses, go up to the mountain and I'm going to give you there in stone the commands that I want you to share with the people, right? So he's going to go gather the Ten Commandments from God. And it says, so Moses and his assistant Joshua set out. So Joshua is accompanying Moses. He's like a, a mentor in real time. He's a, a life coach, and he goes up the mountain with Moses. Can you imagine what that would have been like with the, the glory, you know, just hanging over the mountain? And Joshua's there um, observing all that's going on. What else did he observe? They were there 40 days and 40 nights, and when they came down the mountain, it was Joshua who said, do you hear that noise in the camp? It sounds like there's a, a battle going on. And, and Moses said, that's not the sound of a battle. That's the sound of a celebration. And they would discover that the children of Israel, getting tired of waiting on Moses, would ask Aaron um, to, to create for them a golden calf. And they sinned against God. And so Joshua gets to see the righteous indignation of Moses as he breaks the tablets, the Ten Commandments on the ground. And he, he, and he deals with the sin of the people. He was there. He witnessed Moses um, and his leadership there. So he had real-time um, coaching, if you will, from Moses. Exodus 33, it says that Moses had this habit of setting up the tent of meeting outside of the camp, and he would face it toward all the other tents, and all the people would set their tents, and they would make sure that the door of their tent faced the tent of meeting. And so Moses would go there to meet with the Lord, 
And the glory of the Lord would just descend on the temple. And it says all the people would come out to the edge of their tents and they would bow down before the Lord. And they were just a witnessing an amazing event where Moses met with the Lord. But this is what was cool. It says when Moses would return after his time in the tent of meeting, it says, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. So I said all that to say this, is that Joshua positioned himself to be teachable. He was coachable. He allowed a mentor to speak into his life. And I think that is so important for you and for me too today. If you want to have influence, you first have to be influenced. You have to be willing to be, to be taught, willing to be trained up, and, and willing to be influenced in order to influence other people. And I think about husbands and wives when Rachel and I first moved here, and we were married not too long, and I remember looking at the way we were doing things and some of the arguments that we would have, and I remember how frustrating uh, it was, and I just said, God, I don't want to live my life like this. Now, I don't want to have a marriage like this. It's going to be a long, long marriage, if you know what I mean, because of the way we were doing it. I just remember thinking, God, I want to do it your way. And so I just said, God, whoever, however you want me to learn this, would you just put in my, my path some things that will help me be the husband that you want me to be? And God began to show me through his word. God began to show me other books, great, great minds that have written on the topic of marriage. And through those and through real life experiences and other examples that God placed around me, I was able to surround myself with some really good mentors and become the husband, the, the rock star husband I am today, right, Rachel? Good answer. No, no, but the, the, the point I'm making is, is we need to surround ourselves with people who will pour into us. We always need to be teachable, amen? I think it's so cool. Joshua is, is teachable. He is coachable. He's willing to be mentored. He's willing to submit himself to someone who is over him. And I think that that is so important for us to always be willing to say, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing in this. I mean, as a parent, I don't know. All the time we get phone calls. People saying, hey, man, I'm just going through this time, and I don't know what to do, and, and you just walk through them with that. I think it's so important for us to walk through this thing called life together and be willing to be coachable. Joshua was coachable, and I think that is so paramount to his effectiveness as a leader. When it was his turn to lead, when Moses died and God says to Joshua, okay, Joshua, it's your turn. It's your turn to lead these people. Moses was not successful in getting them to the promised land, but Joshua, it's your turn, and you're going to deliver them to the land that I've promised to them, and I'm going to use you in a powerful way. He was ready because he was coachable. He allowed other people to speak into his life. I think it's so important for us if we want to be effective in leadership, influential in leadership. Another thing that I noticed about him is he was consistent in his walk. This is so important for us today. Consistency is key. Consistency in our walk is so important. Um, consider for a moment that God, when he's uh, addressing Joshua at the beginning of his leadership, he's now 60 years old or so, and he says to him, I promise to you what I promised to Moses, wherever you set foot, that's land that I'm going to give to you. He says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one to lead these people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. And he says, do not deviate. Say deviate. What does that mean? It means don't turn, don't, don't move from that path. He says, do not deviate from them. From what? Moses is teaching. Obedience to uh, the, the law of God. He says, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. If you do this, he says, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And so we see in the life of Joshua his consistency at trusting God and obeying God. And throughout the story of Joshua, in the book of Joshua, we see his consistency, his faithfulness to um, adhering to the commands of Moses, the, the word of God, and leading the people effectively. Let me tell you why I think consistency is important in our lives as we lead and we try to have influence on others. Have you ever experienced inconsistency? Think about it from a parent's perspective. We say things like this, son, 
do as I say and not as I do. What we're doing when we say that is we're modeling inconsistency. We're saying, hey, I, I want you to do this, but I myself am not going to apply it in my life. Can I just tell you, they see through that quicker than anything. And if you want to lose influence on the people that God has put in your home, you want to lose influence as a, as a leader, a parent, mom, or a dad, then just model inconsistency to the ones that you're leading because you will lose influence quicker than you can imagine. And so consistency is important. And so in our lives, as we, we model you know, just being faithful to God, it doesn't mean we're always going to be perfect. It doesn't mean we're always going to get things right, but just over and over, you just model this consistency. You're the same person over and over, no matter what's going on, no matter the circumstance, you're just saying, I'm the same. Right is always right, wrong is always wrong, and I'm always going to handle things this way because this is my standard. I'm consistent in following God's pattern and plan for my life. Amen? Are you with me? And so consistency, I believe, is extremely important for us as well if we want to be Influential. I remember as a young man, I had a, um, a family member that was a mentor in my life, someone that I dearly looked up to. They were in ministry, they had a great marriage, some of my favorite, favorite family members. And I just remember in my teens, I believe it was, I had my driver's license, and I remember my, my family member went through a season where they went through a divorce, blew my mind, didn't see that one coming. Went through a divorce, walked away from the church, didn't even attend church any longer, and just went through a season where I'm scratching my head thinking, what's going on? What changed? And I just remember as a young man putting this person on such a pedestal for so many years and how that inconsistency there when, when everything went tough, and I don't know all the story, I don't know all the circumstances, I just know how that affected me as a young man, as, as a mentor I looked up to, I was like, I don't see the same consistency there. Or maybe you would hear things in the pulpit and you would see some action just outside of that. Or maybe in the home, you, you, you live one way at home and you live a totally different way out in public. And I'm not meddling here, I'm not stepping on toes and all, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, um, <clears throat> we live in, in a public eye and it looks like we have all of our ducks in a row and yet we go home and our kids are the ones that know us the best. Our family's the one that knows us the best. And, and my question is, are we consistent? Are we the same in the home, outside of the home, are we same when things are bad, when things are good? I think that's what we see in Joshua's life as he modeled consistency and his faithfulness and his piety to God. And I think we could learn from that, right? I think one of my biggest goals would be if my kids, I'm not here, but my kids could say, you know what? I know what dad would do in this situation. Why would they be able to say that? Because I would model consistency for them. They would see over and over. They would hear me say the same thing over and over. So they would be able to the point where, you know, like, what would Jesus do? What would dad do? And they would know, right? Because it, consistency had been modeled for them. Consistency is so, so crucial and important in leadership and in maintaining that influence. Joshua was consistent in his piety and his faithfulness to God, his obedience to God's word. And as a result, people followed him faithfully. That's pretty cool, right? So, he was coachable, he was consistent in his walk, and lastly, I would say he was confident. I love this. If you go back to his 19, 20 years of age in Numbers, you remember the story about the 12 spies that Moses sent to the promised land. They're going to go check it out and see what the land is like. And so these 12 spies go for 40 days, they observe the land of Canaan, and they come back with some of the best fruit that that land has to offer. And they said... This is what the report was to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, the Termites, all that stuff. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. And it says, but Caleb, this 40-year-old spy, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Later, it says the people begin to rebel because they're, they're believing the negative report of the 10 spies. It says, then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Lephunah, 
if that's how you say it, tore their clothing, and they said to the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. It says the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. See, they had bought into the negative report. But I think it's important for us to see, even at an early age, Joshua and his confidence that he had in the faithfulness of God. Now, we have confidence in a lot of things, and sometimes you see people with self-confidence, and we see that as arrogance. And there's a balance there that we need to be confident, especially in a position of leadership. If you don't have confidence, if you're always insecure about the decisions that you make, sometimes you can lose influence with other people. And so there needs to be a level of confidence. But for those of us who, who call upon the name of the Lord, and he is our, our Lord and Savior, we need to have a God-instilled confidence because we serve a God who can do anything and all things. Amen? And so in this position of leadership, it's like, you know what? I need to always um, show that example of confidence. Like, you know what? God's got this. God's in control. I know it looks bad. Honey, I know you, you feel like your world is wrecked. But let me just tell you, God's faithful, and he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. And if we submit to him, he's going to bring us through that. We need some of that in our leadership and in our families today. Amen? And so Joshua modeled this confidence in God. He was a witness to many of the things that God had done. He was one of the slaves that came out of Egypt. So he witnessed the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. He witnessed the manna from heaven, the sandals that never wore out. He, he witnessed the, the going through the Red Sea on dry ground and all of Pharaoh's army being annihilated. He witnessed many wonderful, faithful events that God had demonstrated to him. And so he just was filled with this God confidence. And God knew that in his leadership, like, you're going to need to be courageous. You're going to need to be strong, Joshua and so four different times he says to him, be strong, be courageous. You're the one that's going to lead. Be strong, be courageous. But when it comes to leading other people, and I wonder sometimes how we do in that. And, and I think first off, we need to realize that you're never too old to take on that mantle of leadership. And Shane, I'm almost retired and, and that ship has sailed. And I think that, you know, my influence is over. No, no, no. You still have the ability to influence the people that God puts around you. And as I said already, we're already influenced by so many different things. There is a great need today for godly influence in our culture. Amen? There's a great need for godly influence in our churches, in our homes, in our communities, in our schools. And I just wonder if we really realize what is at stake and we say, God, I want you to help me to be an effective, influential leader so that I don't have to command people to do X, Y, and C. But I just simply say, hey, here's my example. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is how we do it in my home. And that level of that example and that influence would move people, would move them from where they're at to where they need to be. That's the kind of leadership that I want to see in my family. That's the kind of leadership that I want to see in this church and in your families as well. As I said, you could probably pick apart many different things there, but those were the ones that just jumped out to me is this Joshua put himself in a position to be influenced by Moses. And I think it's so important for us to always be willing to be mentored by other people. We never have everything fully figured out, right? Consider this for a moment. Joshua has already been called by God to be the leader. Before they go into Jericho, this big battle, it says he stumbled on this guy who was carrying a sword. And Joshua says, are you for us or are you against us? Are you an enemy or a, you know, a friend, friend or foe? And the man responds, I'm neither, but I am the captain of the Lord's army. At that it says Joshua bows down before him and says, what do I need to do? And he says, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. And it says Joshua did as he was told. Even as a leader, he was willing to submit to those who had authority over him. Amen? So be coachable. Be willing to submit yourself to be influenced by other people in whatever arena uh, it is that you need help in growing in leadership. 
Be consistent in your walk. Consistency is key. If you're saying one thing at home and another thing out in public, you're losing influence in your family. So be consistent in your piety and your faithfulness to God and your obedience to his word. Your kids, your family should all be able to look at you and say, I just know what mom or what dad would do in this situation because of the consistency that we model for them. And I would say, be confident because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And be confident to know that God is with us and if he's for us, who can be against us? And and to know that he who's brought us through so many different difficult things in life is going to be with us even in the future. And you can have the most messed up life brought before you and that's why whenever I counsel people, I always try not to go back and fix what's been done because I always say you can't unring that bell. What's been done has been done. So we're not going to harp on that. We're not going to spend time analyzing it. But what we are going to do is we're going to say, where do we go from here? Isn't that what we need to hear today? It's just this confidence in God to say, hey, listen, I know a God who can take those, those mistakes, who can make those, those choices, he can take those choices that you've made, and he can turn it around for good, and he can, he can make the second half of your life so much better than the first half of your life. We need to instill that kind of confidence in the people that God places around us. And what would it look like? What would it look like if we grabbed a hold of some of these leadership principles that we've been talking about so far over these past three weeks? As David shared over the past couple of weeks and some of the, the great principles there in leadership, if we could just grab a hold of a few of these examples that have been laid out before us and say, God, I realize the stakes are high and I realize that you've placed around me people that you want me to be influential on. And before we think, well, that's not for everyone, Jesus says, you're the salt, you're the light. Guess what that is? That's influence. And we're all called to influence those around us. And so what would it look like if we grabbed a hold of this and said, God, help me to be the kind of guy who can lead by example, that I don't have to bark out commands, but like Joshua, I can just say, here's your choice, but here's what I'm going to do. And that example is influential to move people from where they are to where they need to be. What would God do in our families, in our church, in our culture, our community, if we grabbed a hold of those truths? Amen? So when it comes to leadership, I am convinced that Leadership can be taught, uh, but when it comes to influence, there's the old phrase you've heard me say before, is he who thinks he's leading and no one is following is merely taking a walk. And, And so just having the title of leader doesn't guarantee followers, but influence is what, what brings those people that are willing to follow you because you model for them a consistency and a coachability and a confidence in God. And I just believe that's so powerful for us to grab a hold of the day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the, the hope that we have in Scripture. Thank you for the examples that you model for us. Lord, as we just spend this, these next uh, few weeks, Lord, looking at the characters and in the Old Testament and just in the New Testament, just these leadership examples, that you would help us to just grab a hold of a, a few of these truths, realizing that we are all in this position of leadership. Lord, and it may be not in, in a family context, but it may be in the work environment. It may be in, in our um, a sphere of influence with friends, with peers. Lord, we, we all have the potential of leading people. And, and I want to lead people effectively. And so, God, I pray that you would just give us that desire and give us that, that willingness to, to take up that mantle of leadership, but to lead effectively like Joshua, who, who had at the end of his life, 110 years of age, to encourage people through his example to serve the Lord and to know that they served his whole lifetime and even the elders that outlived him, they served you. Lord, I thank you for his example that is set before us today. God, would you please allow us to model that in our own lives and to, to, to see where we can uh, rearrange things and priorities in our lives and to realize what's at stake? And Father, would you forgive us for the times that we've blown it when we've lost influence? And would you help us to regain that in our families, regain that in our church, in our community, in our schools? And Lord, for your glory, uh, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.